0: A Radio 191 FM podcast. So right now, I'm joined by Kate Tim's Dean. Morena to you, Kate. Morena. How are we today?
1: Good, thanks. How are you, Jamie?
0: I'm not too bad, not too bad at all. Right, you're uh, from the museum, and we're going to talk about the uh, Tuya 250 Outreach Progr- uh, Project, which is He Tora tau, uh, Rita sorry i must i, must Tāgata, takata. Tāgata. Tāgata. I don't know i it looks like i've got an R written down here it's my own um my own spelling mistake so i apologize for that So <laughs> right. i couldn't get it out
1: uh all right uh and first though what's your role at the museum um so Kyoto, koutou i'm uh, the education manager over at otago museum and I've been there for about, just coming up to five years.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So you're in charge of all the education programs, I yes, assume.
1: Yes, yes. So we have a LEOTC contract, Learning Experiences Outside the Classroom contract with mm-hmm. the Ministry of Education. Mm-hmm. And um, so we deliver uh, some funded programs from the Ministry to schools. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, and what specifically is this project?
1: So this project came up because it is the 250th commemoration of James Cook's arrival in New Zealand in 1769 Mm -hmm. and the government decided to provide some funding uh, through Lotteries New Zealand and I applied for some funding last year to deliver a programme to schools through outreach.
0: Nice, nice. And this one is um, all about educating around um, well, getting here to Aotearoa, mm. uh, be it European or Maori, yes. uh, explorers and not just that, I guess across the Pacific as well uh, we're looking at that, you'll be looking uh, and with that comes um, the navigation tools that we used yes. um, so that that's a big one and we, we must remember um, that Polynesians are the greatest explorers ever, exactly. ever <laughs> Uh, I mean, just just the other week, uh, on this um, very segment, I I, I didn't realise that, and I should have known because most tubular plants come from South America. That gumara uh, originated in South America, yes. and that just goes to show, uh, travelling the length and breadth of so the yes. biggest ocean in the world.
1: So, when my ancestors were yeah. in Europe, we were still living in huts. Yep. My Māori ancestors were travelling across. Uh, The biggest ocean on the planet. Yeah,
0: Yeah. amazing, (laughs) absolutely amazing stuff. Uh, And then you're looking at uh, early Maori technology, um, and I guess with that comes, um, the stone tools, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe uh, weaponry as well. Mostly
1: musical instruments that we're using because um, they are very diverse and beautiful. Yeah so um, we've got a replica a set of replicas that we're taking out to schools
0: yeah yeah so a lot of woodwind instruments
1: yes the mostly woodwind they didn't really have um percussion instruments really apart from poi yeah um so body percussion and that's interesting yeah it is interesting because the pacific drumming is huge in the pacific it's a major you know woodwind and drumming is big in the pacific but in new zealand there's i've found very little evidence of drums down here in new zealand and the research i've done
0: I wonder if that's. wonder why. Is it do with maybe skins, animal skins?
1: Could be actually. That's a good point because yeah, the drums we've got in Pacific Cultures Gallery, they have got lizard skins and things like that on them. Yeah. So Could yeah, a maybe.
0: To, to tara drum.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe. Mm. Yes, I might have to go and do some more research <laughs> on that now that you put that in my brain. <laughs>
0: Uh, also, looking at uh, Te Tiriti o uh, Waitangi, the, uh, the Treaty of Waitangi, um, mm. uh, you're looking at the document, uh, and I guess you're looking at the um, the authors, mm-hmm. um, the signatories, uh, what came before the treaty, what came after the treaty, yes. uh, and the differences between the European and the Maori version.
1: That's um, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that, I suppose the, the kind of... Um, the focus of the different programs really came from my background in Māori studies, so mm-hmm. that's something I've been doing for a long time. Um, did my PhD in Māori studies, taught treaty for a long time, so I really wanted to tell those stories. I feel like um, a lot of the European stories, like the story of Cook, is pretty well known in New Zealand, yeah. but I don't think the stories of Māori is as well known, and so um, I thought it was a great opportunity to take that story particularly to lower the Lower South Island
0: yeah. And I, I would hazard a bet that a lot of Kiwis know more about articles of the US Constitution than they do about so. the treaty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> particularly the second amendment which comes up a lot in the, in yes. the, in the news but yes, yes. but
0: yeah. it's a sad fact and it it's is. a sad reality mm. uh, i mean the thing itself was lost for how many years
1: a long time yeah, yeah. And that's why it's it was such a funny shape because it was eaten by rats in the basement of government house yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so sounds right actually <laughs> yeah rats and uh, yeah know.
1: and government house <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um, I'm, and we're also going to be looking at uh, human impact on Aotearoa, on yeah. the fauna, uh, flora, fauna, fauna, of course. Um, not just uh, Europeans bringing in mm. rabbits and possum, but uh, Māori as well, with the Māori rat mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the kuri as well. I guess the d- Māori dog.
1: Yes. So we wanted. I really wanted to bring in a biodiversity program because um, I think just you know the general, global environment at the moment, it's really important we think about our biodiversity Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to give it an opportunity for kids to be thinking about particularly things like arthropods, like insects, because they play such an important part in our food chain Mm -hmm. so that was um, bringing that aspect in. So with that part we do a bug a bug hunt, basically, nice. they do a bug census on their school grounds, they also do bird watching and and we do some we put out tracking tunnels so they can see what sort of predators or other things might be around at night time yeah and get try to get a really good idea about the school as a as an actual ecosystem rather than a place where people go to learn stuff.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of schools, especially in urban Dunedin, would be surprised at what comes onto their grounds at night time.
1: Yeah, and we've done a lot of those. That's yeah. Actually, of the of the four programmes in the set, the two that have been the most popular have been the astronomy programme yeah. and that one, the yeah. human impact programme
0: yeah and then the sort of main one you've taking the Starlab lab around, which is yeah. affordable
1: so this is the one of the other things at all the money also gave us the opportunity to buy a whole lot of new kit.
0: yes um, which is which was exciting <laughs> so we've had
1: Starlab lab for probably about twenty years from what I can tell from looking through old documents and stuff, and it is pretty old yep. it has the old you know you walk it you crawl in through a little um like a little tube tunnel, <laughs> so really good if you're five or six, not so great if you're 80, um, <laughs> you know, so there's some limitations, and it's it's been well used, so it's got a few holes in it, a few permanent stars, as yeah, you yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so we got a new, we brought a new dome, it's much bigger than the old one, so we can fit 50 people on it, in wow, it, it's wow. got an earlock to go in, so you kind of just slide on in, so it's um, a little bit easier for the older people to get inside. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, We also bought telescopes um, and we bought some VR headsets and we've made a VR um, the developers made a rendering of what it's like on a walker so you on board the walker and you can see the stars Um, we've got a set of um, like sextants and compasses and things like that to look at the European technology so Mm. we've got a real range of um, activities they can do. Yeah,
0: you know, I don't really know much about um, the methodology used by uh, Polynesian peoples f- to navigate and the technology behind mm. it. I, I, I know a lot about the European ones mm. and, and whatnot, but um, I have no idea what they used.
1: Well, this is actually really fascinating. So, you think about a compass, when you use a compass, um, the little arrow will show you which way is north, right? And, yeah. and so the compass is, the, the arrow inside the compass, I don't know the technical term for it, sorry, is the indicator that you're using to follow your direction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with Māori, they actually used their whole walker was like the needle of the compass. So along the front of the waka, they'd have little markers, and at night time, they'd use them to, to track the rising and setting of stars and planets. And so they'd line them up and they'd keep one star or maybe, say, Venus Mm -hmm. um, between those two markers. Wow. And that would help them keep their direction at night. So actually really clever... Quite different, but a really similar idea of using like your your boat's the compass, yeah, and yeah. the stars are your kind of like your north, south, east, west um, markers on the edge of the compass.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, very That's clever. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, very clever. And mm. you've got to remember, um, you know, you're travelling for long distances to tiny points mm. in a massive and space. Well,
1: even the work that was done before they even left the island. So these people lived on an island, and they would see signs that there were things outside of their um you know view, you yeah, know? yeah, so they 'd see you know um, coconuts float up, or they might see birds flying in um, migrating and things like that, so they 'd see things that came from outside of their scope of vision and and what they would do to figure out well I want to go there, there 's something over there i can 't see it, but I know there's something in that direction, mm. so they would stand and maybe for even years watching stars and make a star path, and then they 'd follow it. Mm. and the idea of the star path as soon as that path ended if they hadn't reached land they could then go back the way they'd come and follow it back Yeah. so they had a really amazing you know, scientific method of, of figuring out how they were going to go about their travelling.
0: They were exploring for exploring's sake. They weren't necessarily doing it for overpopulation reasons. No, really, were no.
1: They? Yeah, sometimes it was driven by resource, demand for resources mm-hmm. like food or maybe um, different kinds of rocks they'd use for tool making and things like that. So there's definitely places like Pitcairn where people just went, made tools and then left. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it was just curiosity. Yeah. What's over the horizon. And I suppose yeah. the
0: people from Rapa Nui left because they cut down all the trees.
1: Mm, yeah that's true yeah. yeah, The other thing is that these people like, there was no, because they're living in a tropical environment, you've got a lot of free time yeah. there's an abundance of food <laughs> and so you have plenty of time to think about other things like art and your culture, mm-hmm. science so you've got a lot of time to, to Sounds develop great. yourself and yeah. the technology was amazing and they brought all that over here with them Yeah, and of course then had to adapt because it was quite a different environment.
0: Very much so yes. As we know, it's especially, pretty cold out there today. Yeah, especially if you're coming down this far south. Yes. Uh, and But, you know, coming this far south was, I guess, resource-driven as, as, as well. Um, yeah. O uh, um, for, like, um, bosset, uh, bosset rock. Bessel, yeah. Bessel, yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, punamu
1: yes that's right so Ponamo is mostly from the west coast but yeah. there was lots of trading routes that, that. there's some really amazing stories about the trading routes that Māori had and so one of my favourites I've never found the actual source for this this is one of those kind of urban myths maybe but um that said that when cook arrived he brought nails with him as one of the trading items he brought and the story goes that when he arrived in queen charlotte sound the nails were already there so they'd beaten him to the south <laughs> island um and that's, that's kind of used as an example of how amazing the trading routes the other thing was that the two common resources they used for trade were fish hooks and hook and um nails yeah but maori didn't like the nails on their furry because they that interfered with the carvings particularly in north island because down here they didn't really do carving but up north didn't really like the nails they looked budget on their carvings (laughs) so and the hooks were not good enough for catching barracuda and things like that yeah so they straightened the nails they straightened the sorry they straightened the hooks hooks, and used them as nails and they curved the nails and used them to be hooks
0: that's amazing so
1: they they were very adaptive people Yeah. yeah
0: Indeed, indeed. Um, so, of course, this is going on in schools across uh, Otago and Southland. Um, so, if there's any parents out there listening right now uh, and you know that hasn't come to your school yet, make sure they get in contact with the museum to get them to go along and teach the kids um, some really important lessons. Um, and watch how many kids you want to reach this year because what was your, your goal was has exploded.
1: It has. So, we had an original target of 3,200. So, I. I kind of went 30, 30, about 32 weeks, maybe 100 a week. Because there's only one person delivering this. Yeah. And I would like to talk a wee bit about him if we've got time as well. Yeah, he's yeah, an amazing yeah. person. All right, yes. um, do but mean? we've already delivered, after last term, which was a month, he delivered 1,200 kids in four weeks. Wow. So we're going to blast that. I think we'll, we'll have well beaten that target by the end of this term.
0: All right, so tell us about this, this wonderful, glorious oh, human.
1: right. Yeah, so Sophie and Scott yeah. is the educator who was appointed on a fixed-term contract to deliver this, and he developed the programs with a bit of support from me, but he's really driven it himself. Wow. So he is um he's been working at the museum longer than me but in a casual capacity. So he was a student and um he trained me when I started. Uh, and he was one of my sleepover presenters. Yeah. Um and even now I mean I had a teacher ask me last week, where's Sof? Why isn't he here <laughs> to take my sleepover? I'm like, Well he's he's graduated now, now he wants a real job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um Sof's uh he's French, English and New Zealander. So yeah. he's not Maori he's a he's a european descent yeah his mum's family are from uh french um algerian he's quite interesting guy Mm -hmm. he's got drama background which i i love working with the guys with drama backgrounds man they're great presenters yeah yeah um because and he's got a lot of energy so he's just really just taken it and yeah just driven it um marvellous yeah marvellous really doing a great job
0: fantastic well you do have a great team at um, the museum mm. a wonderful team yes. and you all do a wonderful job um, thank and you especially uh, Hannah she does a great oh, job oh yeah she's not bad <laughs> <laughs> oh well, hey Kate lovely to meet you yeah you too thank you so much for coming over this morning
1: no worries at all
0: uh, so this is we'll be going out throughout the rest of uh, the year Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh,
1: Yeah. If there's enough demand, we're almost booked out now. So, but if there is enough demand, we're looking. We've got a bit of funding to um, appoint another educator. Nice. So we're looking at maybe next term. We'll get two people out on the road.
0: All right. So ask your school, uh, your children's school, if this is happening there, and if it's not, then get them to sort it out.